for jumping in and uh, giving the rest of the praise team a little little break before we uh, we got some exciting Sundays coming up we're going back to 11 o'clock of course but uh, on the 18th just remind you again that the youth are going to be sharing about our mission trip uh, so that I think that'll be fun it'll be exciting to hear what what they've done and then on the 25th we're just going to have an extended uh, period of praise and worship uh, doing that during the worship service and then having a, a covered dish dinner uh, afterwards so uh, come and bring your dishes to share. It's going to be a good uh, couple weeks uh, ahead for us. Well, let me pray for us. Lord, we thank you again as we come to your word. Uh, Lord, we just pray that you'll uh, bless your word, guide your word, uh, send your Holy Spirit as you sent it uh, before to, to inspire your word. Send it now to inspire us and to speak to us. Lord, send your Holy Spirit uh, to me that that I would say what is pleasing unto you. And if there's anything I'm about to say that's not pleasing unto you, Lord, would you just cast it aside, that it wouldn't even be heard. Uh, we pray that this service continues to be all about you and for your glory. In Christ's holy name, amen. We're in John chapter 11, and as you know, we've been working our way uh, through John. And uh, if you join me, and we're going to read just the first uh, 16 verses uh, today. It's a long chapter, but we'll start there. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. And it was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And so when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Some translations say yet when he heard Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. And the disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and are you going there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. 
After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus has spoken of his death, but they thought that this meant uh, <clears throat> taking rest in sleep. And then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas called the twin, or your translation may have called Didymus, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Thanks be to God for his holy word. Well, chapter 11 is one of the longest chapters in John's gospel. I think only chapter 6 and 8 are longer. And of course, it's a chapter uh, which focuses on the death and the miraculous raising of Lazarus. But he's not the only character uh, in this text. In fact, he's not even the main character. Jesus is. So with all the characters involved, I thought it might be good as we kind of launched into the exploration of John 11 uh, to do a, a character study, if you will. In this opening segment, we have Lazarus and Mary and Martha and, of course, Jesus and then all the disciples and specifically the disciple named Thomas. So I want to begin with Mary. And the interesting thing about Mary is that most often when you see her in the Gospels, she's at Jesus' feet. There's the well-known story in an earlier time when Jesus was at the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And remember, Martha was scurrying about, taking care of all the preparations. But Mary, according to Luke 10, 39, sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Later in our chapter, we will encounter Mary once again at Jesus' feet. She learned that Jesus was coming near his, their village, and so she ran out to meet him. And verse 32 tells us, Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And then our text tells us in verse 2, that Mary was the same Mary who anointed Jesus' feet uh, with her hair. She used ointment and her hair and anointed him. John 12 records all the details, and we'll look at it some, but we'll get there in just a bit. Being at Jesus' feet is a posture of learning. It's a posture of worship. And in the case of anointing Jesus' feet with her hair, it's extravagant worship. It was a holding nothing back kind of worship. She was giving her all. And why do I say that? Well, just the humility to bend down and to take your hair and to wipe someone's feet with your hair takes great humility. It's giving your all. I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm not crazy about feet. And especially feet that have been walking in sandals in the dirt all day long. Think about the humility it took to use her hair to anoint Jesus' feet. Second, John 12, 3, pull that back up, tells us that Mary took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard, and she anointed the feet of Jesus. A Roman pound was about the equivalent of our 12 ounces, but nard had to be shipped from India. 
And this was extra expensive nard because it says it was pure nard. According to John 12, verses 4 and 5, Judas thought the nard was worth 300 denarii, and a denarius was the equivalent of a day's wages for a laborer. So she spent nearly a year's wages in the worship of Jesus. I would call that holding nothing back in her worship. She was giving her all. Mary, the worshiper, begs of us this morning, are we giving the Lord our all? Are we even giving Him our best? Youth, are we going to give Him our best this week as we worship and as we serve? Are we going to worship Him, church, with whole hearts, with undivided devotion? Are we good stewards of our resources, time and talent and finances? Now, what about Mary's sister, Martha? I always think that Martha gets a bit of a bad rap uh, in the Scriptures. I already mentioned her in Luke 10. Many of you are familiar with the story. Martha and Mary have Jesus over at their house, and Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet. But Luke 10.40 tells us that Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and she said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. Tell her to get up and help me is the way she's saying that. Verses 41 and 42, Jesus seems to scold her saying, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken from her. Yes, Mary chose the good or better portion, but I've always thought, well, someone had to take care of Jesus' physical needs, right? Somebody had to do it. I think the issue here was not in Martha's service, but it was in her attitude. She was getting all worked up and apparently too anxious over all the details, and worse, she was upset that Mary was not helping her. Luke does not tell us in his story that there was anyone there but Jesus. So Martha actually wanted Mary to leave Jesus in the living room all alone while she came to help Martha. That wasn't good hospitality. But something must have changed in Martha that very day. Jesus' rebuke seems to have changed her attitude. Fast forward to another event we've already looked at in John 12, verses 2 and 3. Lazarus is reclining at the table with Jesus. Mary is anointing Jesus' feet. And what's Martha doing? She's serving, right? Once again, she's serving. But this time, notice there's not a single complaint in the text and this time she's serving not only jesus but also his 12 disciples so that's 13 people plus herself and her two siblings that we're up to 16 people at least and she doesn't make a single complaint this time I'm not going to speculate too far regarding Martha's changed attitude, but it begs the question, what about our service? What is our attitude? Youth, I want to ask, are, this week as we go out, are we, are we self-serving? Or are we going to serve Jesus and others? 
Are we going to try to build up our reputation? Or are we going to build up the reputation of Jesus? Church, is it, is it for our glory? Or do we serve for no reason other than it's our joy to serve the Lord Jesus Christ? And then what about Lazarus? I mean, obviously he was the one raised from the dead. But what about him? His name is a form of the Hebrew word, which means uh, name, which is Eleazar. And Eleazar means help by God. That's certainly an appropriate name for what happens uh, to Lazarus. But have you ever noticed in all the gospel accounts, Lazarus, Lazarus never issues a word. Not one time does he speak. But there's an interesting fact about Lazarus that I've missed every time I've studied this text. And in all honesty, I, I would have missed it this time if a commentary hadn't pointed out this truth to me. We've already discussed that in John 12, Martha's serving. Lazarus is reclining at the table. Mary's anointing Jesus' feet. But look at verses 9 and 11 to 11. When the large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well, because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. Lazarus never says a word, but on account of him, many of the Jews were believing in Jesus. He had become a witness for Christ. Of course, the miracle that God had raised in Jesus had raised him from the dead. Of course, that's why people came. But Lazarus was also a witness because it was clear that he had been with Jesus. From that point on, he clearly identified with Christ. And we can only imagine that he did indeed tell his story over and over again. I can only imagine, again, I'm speculating, but surely Lazarus and the disciples in the early church must have told the story of Lazarus being raised from the dead as symbolic of the spiritual resurrection we all receive when we trust in Christ. You see, Lazarus became a witness to the truth that in Christ you and I are new creations. If you're a Christian, you've been made alive in Jesus. So I want to ask, do you give evidence to that truth? Do you identify yourself openly with Christ? Isn't it beautiful that in this one family, we see worship and service and witness among these three siblings? God does everything for a purpose, and I can only imagine the, one of the reasons why this family is so prominent in the Gospels is that God wanted us to see that we have a call to worship and service and witness. Are we committed? Are we committed, beloved, to worship and service and witness? And then there's Thomas. In my opinion, Thomas, maybe even more than Martha, gets a bad rap. If I were to ask you this, this morning, what's the first thing that comes to mind when I say uh, the disciple Thomas? What are you going to say? Doubt. Right. Poor old doubting Thomas. But look at what happens in our text. 
Verse 7. Jesus determines he's going to go back to Judea. And in verse 8, the disciples are rightly concerned that the Jews are seeking to stone Jesus. Just weeks before, in John 10, verse 31, the Jews picked up stones to stone him. So Jesus left, and verse 40 says he went to the other side of the Jordan, and he stayed there until this point when he decided to come back and, and visit Lazarus and the family. He wants to go back across the Jordan, think about this, to face the very people who had picked up stones to stone him. So the disciples are rightly thinking and saying, uh, yeah, no, Jesus, that's not a good idea. Not a good plan here. And they're at least thinking, they don't say it here, but they're at least thinking, if he goes back, not only will he die, but we will as well. But eventually one disciple speaks up, Thomas. And he says, verse 16, let us go that we may die with him. Thomas' pronouncement is grim. And yes, later he has his doubts. But I admire Thomas because he's loyal. He's courageous. He's honest. He says, let's go. Let's follow Jesus all the way. Let's go with Him. Let's take a stand with Jesus, even though it could mean our death. And so Thomas is another character that urges us this morning to ask questions. Are we loyal? I mean, it's one thing to worship and serve and witness to Jesus now uh, in this safe environment. But the indicators are that it's going to become much more difficult in the future. Will we loyally stand with Jesus? Will we stand? And then, finally, Jesus is the main character in this story. And we see again his primary characteristics of compassion and love. Verse 5, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. I know Jesus delayed two more days before he went to see Lazarus. And we don't know all the reasons. We know in part that it was according to verse 4 that he delayed so that God and Jesus would be glorified. And God's delays always have a purpose. He, he may have also delayed to test Mary and Martha and the disciples and also hopefully strengthen their faith. But the point is, Jesus went back. He went back across the Jordan to face the very people who had tried to stone him to death earlier. He went back because of his great love for Lazarus and for Mary and for Martha. And I think the point for us and the reason we should remain loyal in our worship and service and witness is that no matter what happens, Jesus loves us as well. We can't always see his purposes it's extremely difficult when we're in the midst of tragedy. Trust me, I've had my struggles as I have done way too many memorial services for people whom, in my estimate, died way too young. But for me, for me, despite my lack of understanding, it always comes back to trusting in the love of Jesus. Pastor James Boyce puts it this way, 
Learn to interpret circumstances by the love of Christ and not Christ's love by circumstances. Think about that. Learn to interpret circumstances by Christ's love and not Christ's love by circumstances. In the midst of trials, begin at what you know to be true that Christ loves you. Remind yourself over and over again, Jesus loves me so much so that he died for me. So I'm going to do my best to see his purposes in this trial. And even if I can't see them, even if I never fully understand, I'm going to keep trusting in Jesus' love. And I'm going to keep praying that my trial might somehow bring glory to God and his son. So one final question. Knowing how much Jesus loves us, are we loyal in our worship and in our service and in our witness? Are we? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I pray that we would be loyal in our worship in our service, in our witness, that having experienced your love, we, we may have a greater desire to worship you and serve you and tell others about you. Oh, Lord, I pray that by your Holy Spirit, we might be better disciples. Send us out today and every day to serve you in every part of our lives. To you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, be all glory, praise, and honor today and forevermore. Amen. Mind if I tell you a secret A few simple truths about me Might be hard to believe Yes, I'm just trying to come clean I don't know where I'm going It's hard to admit where I've been When I come to the end of myself This is where I begin again I am
Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And may the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you His peace today and forevermore. Amen.